Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. Good morning, Lifehouse. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, tell them it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Come on, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Only say it if you mean it, though. It is. It's good to be in God's house. It's good to see each one of you here this morning. Uh, my lovely wife, Dixie, and my daughters and my niece are all in Atlanta. Um, they're at a ladies' conference down there, a women's conference. Uh, they said it was great. Um, they're right now are currently sitting in an airport delayed, um, trying to get back. They're having storms down there. I told her how beautiful the weather is here. Amen. Um, <laughs> And she didn't think it was funny, uh, but it's good to have you. I want to just start off by praying this morning and then jumping right into God's word. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful weather you've given us and God, even the rain we've had over the last couple of days that nourishes the earth. Lord, we ask that you have your hand upon this time, God, upon your word and God, each thing, Lord, that um, God, each truth and each principle and each um, nugget of life you bring to us. God, help us to grab a hold of it, digest it, Lord, and take it in and Lord, that it might further the kingdom, and God, that it might be for the benefit of the hearers. And we just give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said together? Amen. 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 If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15 this morning. And while you're turning there, while you're getting there in your Bibles or on your electronic device or what you, whatever you brought with you to um, take notes, uh, I want to let you know that uh, just to give you a little idea of what's taking place here, Jesus has an accusation hurled at him, Okay. How many of you have ever had an accusation hurled at you? How many of you have ever been accused of something that you did or did not do? Or something in between, right? You maybe half did it, or you did it with the right intentions, and somebody got the wrong idea and said that you did it with the wrong intentions. Amen? Anybody ever have that happen? Yeah, just me. All right. Yeah, no, I hear some, yeah, yeah. He puts me going, like, yeah. All right. It happens. And, and really, in, in the scriptures, Jesus is getting an accusation hurled at him. And it's coming from the Pharisees and it's coming from the scribes, which it normally always did. Um, these hypocritical, self righteous, kind of corrupt religious leaders of Jesus' day once again come out publicly to make an accusation against Jesus. And it has nothing to do with holiness or righteousness because Jesus was always holy. He was always righteous in what he did. But they accused him uh, of not following their, their religious practices. And this time, Jesus is accused of receiving and eating with sinners. Everybody go, oh, yeah, I know, oh, right? Receiving and eating with sinners, which was all true, by the way, all right? Jesus drew the unreligious to himself. He really did. Those who normally um, didn't draw towards religion drew towards Jesus. It's because um, no matter who you are, where you're at, uh, maybe even where your spiritual status is, and, your, or, and sometimes even your relationship with God, if you run into pure truth, you're going to draw to that. Do you know that? If you run into the pure love of God, you're going to get drawn into that. If, if you see pure light in front of you, and that's what Jesus was, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna draw. Uh, it's like a moth going to, to the light, right? The pure presence of God pulls people in. It draws anybody that's near, whether they're close to God or whether they're far away from God. If they get in the presence of that, it pulls them. And, and, and they want to hear, they want to know, they want to experience and sinners and tax collectors did not draw to the Pharisees of that day. Matter of fact, they were repelled because there was no truth in them, there was no light in them, there was no, certainly no love of God in them. But they drew to Jesus. 
So when Jesus kind of blows up this whole uh, idea of the Pharisees' model of operandi uh, of staying away from the sinners and staying away from the tax collectors and staying away from those who were far from God, this just gave them ammunition. Jesus is sitting with them. He's speaking with them. He's having meals with them. It gave them ammunition to confront Jesus in public. And they're hoping to discredit Christ, but in an effort to do that, I think they just discredited themselves. So that's kind of where we're at in Luke chapter 15. We're starting off with verse 1 this morning. And it says this, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear him, to hear Christ, to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke a parable to them, saying, now, it's interesting because Jesus gets an accusation thrown at him. Now, what do we normally do when we get an accusation thrown at us? We defend ourselves, right? We throw something back at him, right? We're like, that's not me. That's not what I did. We, we come up with some kind of explanation. But not Jesus. Jesus says, you know what? I think I'll tell him a story. Now, and Jesus was so wise. He was so amazing. Because you know what happens when you tell a story? Somebody's just got to listen right? We all like stories. If somebody tells you, I hear you all telling stories all the time. You're back there chatting with each other. You're telling a story and everybody leans in. And Jesus says, well, I'm just going to tell you a story. I got a story for you. And he says this in verse four to the Pharisees and to the scribes who are making this accusation that, you know, that he's you know, going against what is right by sitting with sinners and tax collectors. He says this, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Jesus is working and getting a point across to these Pharisees. He's trying to get a message through their thick head, right? These hypocrites that are standing in front of them. You can't rescue the lost if you're not willing to get near them, right? You can't. Uh, you can't find them in their lostness unless you're willing to go meet them where they are. And he says, just in case they missed that first story, I think I'll tell them a second one. So he goes to verse 8, he says this, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there was joy in the presence of angels over, uh, of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus is telling these Pharisees and these scribes, I speak and I eat with the lost, so they become found. So, so the lost person comes to a place of hope, right? The hope moved to hope, or the hopeless moved to hope. Those in the dark come into the light. Those who passed or are in death, they pass over into light. Pastor Andrew preached about that last week. So they can be saved. And, and uh, when this happens, he's telling these scribes and Pharisees, when this takes place, when somebody who's lost becomes found, do you know what happens in heaven? Rejoicing takes place, right? There, there's, a, there's a roar that goes up. They, they begin to rejoice and clap when, when somebody it, it, that's lost is found. Are you that blind? He's looking at the Pharisees. Are you that blind? Don't you get it? You can't rescue what you won't go near, right? You can't. 
If someone's drowning, if they're in the water and drowning, and I, I had that experience a couple years ago, I almost drowned, and, and somebody pulled me out of the water. Um, it's a harrowing kind of thing. But if somebody's drowning, do you know what does them no good? Somebody on the shoreline going, hey, <laughs> I'll pray for you. All right. God bless you. Let me throw you a track. I don't know, whatever, right? You know, just uh, whatever, you know, you want some coffee, right? Lifehouse coffee mug, right? Here it is. All right, come on, right? If you're drowning, you want somebody to get near. You got to jump in. You got to go after them. They got to grab a hold of you. They got to get you above the water and, and they got to bring you back to the shoreline. Sometimes they even got to carry you, right? They got to carry you in the water and maybe they often carry you when you get out. Jesus Jesus is trying to get across to these Pharisees. He's trying to get across to these scribes. You can't win the lost. You can't get the lost to a place of being found unless you get near them. You, you just can't do it. And, and, and he doesn't stop with these two little stories. As a matter of fact, he keeps going. And he gives a third story that's even more lengthy in this passage. And, and I believe that, that he gives a key, one of the keys to the rescue in this third story, Jesus reveals a, a, a key thing that we need to understand when it comes to the rescue uh, of anyone that's lost, anyone that's without God. And, and he reveals this in a story about a man and two sons, all right? He says this in verse 11, then he said, a certain man had two sons, say two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. His father has two boys. The younger decides, I'm out of here. I've had enough of dad. I've had enough of his rules. I've had enough of the way he does life. I don't want to do what he wants to do. I don't want to do what he wants me to do. I don't want any of it. I don't want any part of it. And he doesn't just leave, right? He doesn't just get frustrated as a young, unwise, foolish son. He doesn't just leave. He says, you know what, Dad? I'm going to leave, and I want my portion of the inheritance. His dad's still alive. His dad didn't die yet. This is bold. This is rude, man. This is selfish, right? My son would come say that to me. I'd say, hit the bricks, boy. Um, you know, <laughs> no, okay? You have to wait till I croak. And, you know, and he didn't do that. This father didn't do that. He, I don't know how his dad did it. I don't know if he remortgaged the place, right? I don't, we don't know if he sold off possession. The word of God doesn't tell us. We don't know what he did, but somehow he gathered up this son's inheritance and he put it together and he gave it to his son. And, and and, and, I, and I, you know, we don't know how that happened, but he gives it to this boy and he leaves and he goes to start this life that is completely contrary to his father's plan for him. He goes into this life that is a total life of sin. He's going to burn down the town, right? And he does. And while he's burning down the town, he literally burns through all of his money, everything that he inherited. Verse 14 says this, but when he had spent all there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. We will always end up in want without the Father. You know that? Without Jesus, without the Holy Spirit, sooner or later, you're going to end up in want. You might, um, you might step through life for a long time without God, but sooner or later, without the Father, without the Son, without the Holy Spirit, you're going you're to end up in want. You're going you're to end up longing for something that you can't find. 
Because we were created to be in relationship with God. We were created to walk with God. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says that you're made in His image, in His likeness. There's something inside of us that longs to be with God because we literally are created in His image. We were created to be in relationship. And sooner or later, if you walk away from the Father or you've never even came near to the Father, you're going to find yourself in the game of life wanting and longing for something. You'll, you'll hide it maybe for a while. You, you'll talk a good game. You'll divide. You, you might even try to pour into some kind of crazy something or other, right? Anything to fulfill that part of you. But at the end of the day, you're going to end up in want. At the end of the day, you're going to yearn for something that you can't find. It's something maybe you can't even put a finger on. I, re, I, I meet people all the time out in the world. They just can't put a finger on. They're looking for something. They're searching for something. They can't get full. They don't know why. They've tried everything, and, and they, they're looking for it. And that's, where, that's what happens when you step away from the Father. Verse 15 says this, And when he went and joined himself, this son is away. He's away from the Father. He's burned all his money up. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He's got no money. He's looking for a job. He finds somebody who will hire him, and, and, and he's got to go feed pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. Money's gone. Friends are gone, right? He's in a new circumstance called famine which means that he's in want big time and everybody around him is in want. And the only option he's got is to go feed a bunch of pigs out in a field somewhere. And he is so physically depraved and starving at this point, he's thinking about eating what the pigs are eating. He wants to eat whatever the slop they're giving, right? No one gave him anything. That's what the Word of God says. He's alone, starving, broke, right? Got nothing. Life has crushed this guy, has beat him up, has hammered him into pieces. And, and, and I wanted to give you a physical illustration of, of, of getting hammered to pieces in life. So I didn't try this at home. I don't know how this is going to go. All right. But, but I, I, I really wanted you to see what it is to be crushed. All right. Well, what it is for life to hammer on you and crush you into pieces. Now, I brought Dixie's not with me. And this is the best thing I could think of was a pillowcase, so don't tell anybody, all right? <laughs> Particularly her, all right? I tried to look for an old one. I don't know if it is or not, all right? But this is, this is us, right? This is clay, right? This is us. And, and life can come along, and circumstances, whether, whether self-inflicted or otherwise, right, can begin to crush you. And life can begin to come down on you, and it's not just a chip, Right? It's not something simple that they can repair just on the corner, but you get hammered. You get hammered over, and you get hammered over, and over, and over, and over. Amen? That's where this kid was. He's starving. Right? He's away from home. His friends are gone. He's lonely. He has nothing. Nobody will give him anything, and he's hanging out with a bunch of pigs. And over, and over, and over again, he gets hammered, till life becomes this. A bunch of pieces that can't be glued back together. Sometimes you can patch some things, but not always, right? You can't put that together. But believe it or not, this is a place that you want to be in. All right? 
I know this is going to sound strange, but believe it or not, it is in the crushing where this young man begins to come to life. Believe it or not, um, it, the crushing can be a great place. The place of brokenness where, where things can't just be patched up a little bit is not going to take one, just one talk or one little discussion or, or, or maybe even just a little bit of therapy. But when you're crushed, it is in the crushing that I find God. It really is. Most times, I really don't find God um, when I'm on the mountaintops. As a matter of fact, usually when I'm on the mountaintop, mountaintop I kind of think I got me there sometimes, right? Sometimes we're on the mountaintop. And most times it's not in the big accomplishments of life, right? The Pharisees were there. They were accomplished. They were educated. They had position. They even, they even dressed the part, right? And, and they were in this place. And usually we don't see God there. It's usually not that. I usually don't find God when I'm out conquering something. Whatever that is, fill in the blank. Whatever it is in life that you're trying to conquer, I find God in the crushing. When I get to the end of me, when I'm no longer strong enough to stand on my own, when I feel weak and vulnerable, when I'm being reduced to powder, right? Things just keep hitting me, and I just keep getting ground down, and I keep getting driven into the ground, and I can't be patched, and I can't be glued back together, and it just, it seems like I'm going back to the very dust that God brought me from, right? That he created me from, that he formed me. And it's in that place that it seems like I find God, or actually God finds me. It's in that place where I come to my senses. It's in that place where I begin to lay down my pride. It's in that place where I begin to abandon every shred of, of what I think I accomplished, every bit of self-reliance that I've built up in myself. It's in that place where I get low, right? Because crushed, you end up low. And, and, and the, all you can do sometimes when you're that crushed is just look up to see him. Jesus was letting those Pharisees know and the people know that, that, that the lost are crushed. They're drowning, some of them. Some of them, they don't know even know why they feel like they feel, and they need put back together. And he's looking at these Pharisees as well. He's not only talking about those who are lost, but I think he's looking at the Pharisees, and he's saying, you, you don't even understand. You're lost. You're, you're caught up in this hypocrisy, and you're lost. And, and, and you need crushed. You need rescue, right? What you, need, you need God, and when I come and I'm crushed, I get to the end of me. And it's a place a lot of times where I come to my senses. Um, right? A lot of times, I think there's times we don't see God sometimes until we actually get in the pig pen. Now, I'm not saying all the time. I said sometimes. But sometimes we miss God until we get in the pig pen. The, the psalmist said this in Psalms 34, 18. He said, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Contrite means crushed. If you look up contrite, it means crushed to powder. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. God comes close to the crushed. Those who realize that they cannot do anything without him, and that's all of us, by the way. I don't know if you realize that or not. You, you don't take your next breath without his permission. All right, you might think you do. You might think that's your right to breathe in some oxygen. It's not. We each get, go ahead, do it right now. Go. You got to do that because God said it was okay for you to do that. We don't grab that next breath without him. This pride, arrogant, filled son 
ends up in the pig pen, and he's crushed. He possessed nothing in himself. <laughs> There's only two outcomes when you're crushed. There's only two outcomes when you're crushed. One is that you will die. Not good news, right? In the crushing, you can die. Or the other is, is that you become brand new. The first one we want to avoid at all costs, by the way, right? The crushing can kill you. If something's heavy enough and pushes on you hard enough, you can die, right? We've, we've all heard about my, my grandfather uh, on my mom's side. Uh, I never got to meet him. He died when my mom was 12. He was in a construction accident, and he was actually uh, backed by a wall, and, and a construction vehicle backed into him and crushed him. And he crushed his body. He, he succumbed to his injuries. And, and I never got to meet my grandfather on that side uh, of the family because he was crushed. And, and that's one of the realities of being crushed. One of the realities is that you can die, right? One of the realities is that you're nothing but it comes to scrap. There's nothing left of any value. One of the realities is that it's just a bunch of junk to be discarded. And, and it's over, right? But that's not the reality in Christ. It really isn't there. There's another outcome that comes. You can become brand new in Jesus. Because Jesus looks at crushed things like a potter looks at the clay. Now, if I saw this at my house, laying on the sidewalk or laying anywhere, right, I'd say, that's a bunch of junk, right? I'd get a broom, sweep that puppy up, right, and I'd throw it in the garbage just immediately. But that's not what God sees when he sees this. See, what God sees, he sees it like a potter. And what a potter sees is a bunch of material to make something brand new. I don't know if you know this or not, but what a potter does, um, when they have a bunch of crushed clay that cannot be repaired, and Dave, please forgive me if I messed the church up doing this, all right? But what do they do is they put it in a bucket like that, and they pour water in that bucket, and they leave it sit for about a week. And do you know what happens to that broken clay, that shattered clay? It actually begins to absorb the water. It actually begins to soften. And what a plotter will do is they'll take it back out, they'll, they'll work it, they'll knead it together, and they'll take it back out and let some of that dry. Do you know what the water is? Do you know what water represents in Scripture? The Holy Spirit. All right? It, it is the Holy Spirit and, and, and that water. And what God does when we're broken and we're crushed, he just immerses you into the Holy Spirit. He just pours on you the Holy Spirit. And if we submit to the potter's hands, right? That's the first thing that has to happen, by the way. The clay has to submit to the potter's hands. He'll put you in water. He'll soak you. He'll, he'll let you marinate in the Holy Spirit. And then he pulls you out on a potter's wheel, and, and he's making something that doesn't look anything like it did before. He begins to, to shift it, and, and what he does is he begins to mold. How many of you have ever seen a potter's wheel take place? You know, where the potter's spinning, and, and, he start, and the potter, whoever it is, he or she, begins to squeeze, and they begin to work, and all of a sudden, there's this new creation that takes place. God makes a new creation. This kid was in the pig pen, and, and, and he finally, somewhere in all that mess, he submits himself back into his father's hands. He really does. 17 says this, but when he came to himself, say he came to himself. We got to get there, right? He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
It was this moment of crushing that this son begins to move towards life. What he, this son moves towards life and the Pharisees refused to move towards life. The Pharisees refused to submit themselves into the Father's hand. They refused and they moved towards death. But this boy, in his cracked, crushed condition, moves towards God because he places himself in his Father's hands. I preach this because recently God took me through some crushing. God does this more than once in your life, by the way. Uh, you know, just recently, uh, I, you, know, God, you know how God reveals things sometimes? Uh, I was going along in life just thinking everything was good, and God used a, a circumstance to begin to reveal some self-reliant pride in my life. Some self-reliance. Anybody there with me? Uh, if not, it's okay. I'm the, I'll be the only one this morning. But I was pretty, feeling pretty self-reliant in the area, and, and God began to crush me in that. And, and he, had to, he, had to, he had to crush me to powder uh, in that circumstance and help me see that I got nothing without him. I have nothing without him. And he began to pour on the Spirit, and, and he began to let me marinate, and he began to reform that part of my life. It's in the crushing. It's in the crushing. I'm going to ask you to stand. It's in the crushing. While the musicians come, I want, I want to read you just the rest of that story. Because this boy goes to submit himself to his father's hands. And verse 20 says, Then he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. His father put a robe on him. I don't know if you understand the meanings of all that, but the, the robe was a covering. He put a ring on his hand, which meant authority. He put sandals on his feet, which was provision. And he killed the fatted calf to have a celebration. This boy went from death to life. He went from crushed into pieces, irreparable. And he submits himself to the father's hands. And the father begins to build something brand new. So you might have a part of your life. I don't know. I, I just simply believe this. I think of some people that God's been crushing. He's allowed you to get crushed. And maybe it's the enemy that's crushed you. And, and there's some places in your life that maybe or maybe not you've submitted to his hands. I'm here to tell you, you can't get to the new thing unless you turn it over to him. Until you put the clay in his hands, you keep trying to rebuild it, you keep trying to patch it on your own, you're going to remain crushed. And the enemy, this is the enemy's tactic, by the way. The enemy's plan is to crush you and crush you and crush you till there's nothing left and you die. That's Satan's plan. God says, if you put it in my hands, I will add the spirit to it and I will begin to reform you and I will make something brand new in you. That's the difference. That's the difference between the father of lies and the father of light. So what's God doing in your life? You might say, well, what's that got to do with being lost? That's got everything to do with being lost. Do you know how many people are out around you that are crushed right now? Circumstances beating the life out of them? 
all around you. Life's been hammering on them and hammering And they smile when they see you, but they're dying inside. They need the Spirit of God. They need to become brand new in Him. And you're the, you're the, you're the answer between that and death in their life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Is God, is God a lot of crushing going on in your life? Is something getting crushed in you? Are you feeling even crushed for the, for the lost? What do we got to add the Holy Spirit to this morning so God can begin to form something brand new in your life? If that's you here and the Holy Spirit's tugging on you and he's speaking to you this morning through the word, I want you to raise your hand, put it up, put it right back down. Hands all over. He wants to remold you. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.